I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. This is a very special moment for us today. ECW called it a three-way dance. WWE and many other organizations call it a triple threat. Some others might even call it a threesome. For the first time ever, we're doing the whole show with three humans. Welcome to Mid-South Moments today, Dan Phillips and Tony Brown. How are you doing, guys? Very good, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, likewise. So I think it's probably fair to say for both of you that you're both um, been wrestling fans for quite a long time, but AEW has kind of brought you back into the fold. Is that fair and reasonable to say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, uh, definitely. So, actually, to be honest, mine's a combination of AEW and your very good self. Um, mm. So, I'm sure you can explain that a bit further to your regular listeners. But, um, so, but, I mean, in a roundabout way, I was, I was a, I was a big WWF fan. Um, Antonio will come on to, he was more of a WCW man who I, I just remember growing up absolutely detesting. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, sort of watched it, Attitude Era was sort of me really, uh, the main time, and then sort of commitments and grew out of it a little bit, uh, sort of, I don't know, I just fell out of a bit of love, which I think from listening to your podcast, a lot of people did. Mm. Um, and then through Fulham, who obviously we mutually support, and our chairman getting involved in AEW, um, thought I'd give it a go, and, uh, yeah, I've, to be honest, I've been quite hooked. I've been hooked since. The quality is way better than I sort of remember from before. Maybe not necessarily just some of the, like the storylines from Attitude Era, but the wrestling quality to me is just that's just wrote me right back into it. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Tony, we'll, we'll come on to your WCW fandom in a second, but I think Dan, it's probably fair to say that um, the Tony Khan involvement in AEW has been a particular positive with the Fulham fans in there. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very, it's very difficult because obviously, you know, there's, uh, you know, obviously I know you've got a lot of American listeners, but you know we can only buy players in uh, sort of small windows of the year, and one of them windows is January, um, and I think there was a particular window where Fulham didn't sign anyone, but AEW announced the signing of Chris Jericho. Um, which I was sort of half like oh yes Chris Jericho that's going to be good and then also thinking uh, the football team I've been following my whole life probably not getting the attention they they need right now Um, but I sort of let it slide a little bit because I was sort of keen to see Jericho in AEW but I don't think (laughs) the majority of Fulham fans saw it that way Um, no no, definitely not and obviously it's not just that obviously he's got his uh NFL team as well so there's a lot of issues around you know if they make the playoffs he's then got commitments elsewhere then so he's spreading himself very thin um, but it's very difficult because I think he's doing a very good job with AEW um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah and, we've, and with Fulham we've had a couple of okay years um, but probably actually since he's been there probably more bad than good um, so success will make people sort of maybe forgive him a bit more uh, yeah, and, and, and maybe overlook the AEW element but I mean for me I think he's doing a great job <laughs> if, if Fulham ultimately promoted this season I think all the rest of the stuff goes away but who, who knows as in, yeah. in that, if, that, if the season is um, so Tony what, did you start watching the WCW stuff on ITV or was it were you um, the TNT era that you started with yeah so I used to watch WWF um, when I was sort of seven, eight, so around nineteen ninety one, watched a little bit then, then kind of just fell away. 
Um, and then when I was younger, we didn't have Sky Sports, so we had cable, so we had TNT. Hmm. So I, I picked up WCW again probably 96, so just before, actually just before the NWO formed. Oh, okay, yeah, um, I was watching at the same time, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so then I was watching, watching that, watched it for probably four, four and a bit years, and then towards the end of WCW's run, it was just, it's a hard watch. Yeah. So, <laughs> stupid storylines, stupid people running the company. So then I gave up on that. Watched a little bit of WWF because by then I was working, so I could afford to buy Sky Sports. Um, so I watched a little bit around 2000, 2001. Obviously when they bought WCW, then kind of gave up on WWF. To be honest, uh, tried to get into Impact or TNA at the time. So watched a little bit of TNA as and when, um, and then just kind of gave up on that as well. To be honest, again commitments and football family took over um, and then probably last year you probably maybe well, obviously AEW was on with forming so Dan I think Dan went to a couple of WWE events WWE events um, I spoke about AEW so started watching a couple of the old pay-per-views before it was AEW so um, you know um, all in etc and then yeah just been watching the weekly since then and very impressed it's very good there's obviously the odd Occasional week where it's a bit hit and miss, especially at the moment, but overall, very impressed. Yeah, I think it has been, um, I think for just, just, just poor wrestling fans, um, and actually, I think this is, a, this is an interesting thing that came out over the weekend. I don't think, have either of you guys seen anything of WrestleMania so far? You've probably heard a few bits and pieces, but not actually, you've not had the displeasure of watching any of it, have you, so far? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, for me, we'll probably come on to why I haven't yet. Uh, links, it links in with my quest I'm, I'm doing at the moment. My oh yeah, of course. We'll talk about that in a second. I mean, uh, what I was, was going to really say on that was that I think this is this is this is pro wrestling, and I think that WWE is not pro wrestling anymore. Um, WWE is a weird hybrid of this thing that everyone always knew as pro wrestling, but all the people don't speak like any human beings speak, um, and the wins and losses don't matter, and the titles don't mean anything. And all AEW really have done is done a, a fairly simple pro wrestling show. Where they build up their title and build up their title matches. It's like this is not, it's been very, very, I mean, I don't know, what would you give, okay, here's an interesting question, what would you give Tony first and Dan, AEW, out of 10 so far, from the first Dynamite to today? Uh, given he started it from scratch, and the quality that he's got in, and by, and by this I just don't mean, um, like, like for example, when I was sort of falling out of WWF, and I think it's still in that, the undercard, their matches would be like 1, 2, 3 out of 10. I feel AEW, the undercard is is decent quality as well. Um, so I'd probably give him like an eight for starting it from scratch and some of the quality he's got in. Um, and particularly like for me, I didn't really know of like, for example, the elite. Um, I just watched them and just think, wow, these are just a step above um, yeah. anything I've seen. Um, you know, before for people to be high flying and, and things like that, they had to be about five foot five. Um, skinny, you know, they, they, they had to be very, like, petite and small. And now you've got these guys are proper athletes. Um, and, yeah, the quality is just very... Yeah, I'd, so, I, yeah, I'd probably go 8 out of 10, given what he's done so far. Yeah, yeah I what, think, what do you think, Tony? Um, again, I'm, I'm similar. I'd, I'd probably give it slightly less, because I still think there's still a few, quite a few hit and misses. Still think the women's division needs to build up a little bit more. Um, I'd probably give it a solid 7, I would say. 
Um, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and I think, I think Stefan's great. I mean, the last, the, last, yeah. the last year I watched every bit, I couldn't have given it, a, I wouldn't even give it a four. So then I gave yeah. up because it's just, it, was too, it was too much. So actually, what they're doing is not revolutionary, but it has been, has been really, really solid television. And um, so Dan, you touched on it. So you've got a quest at the moment to watch <laughs> every single WrestleMania in history during the month of April. <laughs> yeah. You've you just finished WrestleMania 12, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The highlights and lowlights so far. So, just to put this into context, so obviously, as everyone knows, it's sort of locked down over here in the UK, so uh, a lot of working from home and a lot of time sort of spent just sitting at computer screens. Um, so I thought, let's give it a go, because WWE Network's free at the moment. Um, so I started number one, thought I'd just watch one and two, and then I thought... Why not just, I don't know, it's just one of them things to set myself a challenge to finish it. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I am, well, as the, as the, my, the other guest on this call and yourself know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. I feel like I'm watching it and it's just happening now. It's live. Like this is, <laughs> I'm jumping up and celebrating. Cause you, you don't know the most of the results of these matches, do you? So no, no. Quite it's a lot of the stuff, the early stuff new. Yeah, the early, yeah. yeah. So the early ones, I don't actually, or quite often, I mean, there's the obvious ones to pick, but particularly the undercard ones, I don't know what happens. Um, and I just find so many interesting things. I mean, for me, when I was a kid, um, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was my sort of probably the man that got me into wrestling walking around the playground seeing who wants to play WWF trying to get people to join the gang and then having a quick wrestling match before you got told off by the teachers um, I'd always be Hulk Hogan um, but watching it back now I mean he's it's incredible the way the fans react to that man um, yeah. I don't know if I mean, there's been some moments in, again, like AEW where the crowd have gone wild, but that's just a different level. And then you find yourself getting sucked into it as well. Yeah. It's 35 years ago or whatever it may be. Um, but so just the whole, I mean, it's also quite amusing, you know, the first 10 WrestleManias, he's in nine of them. <laughs> um, and main event in, I think, eight of them. Um, Macho Man uh, is someone that at the time, I don't, when I was started watching, he'd sort of, not wasn't really in it. He was commentating or coming in as like a guest appearance when they sort of bring back the old wrestlers and you know more as a novelty act. It's made me realise that he was some performer and really gets you emotion. It got, it's like got me emotionally involved in it. And now I get it. Now when he's coming back in on like you know the later ones, I'm understanding. Um, yeah. So he's quite a highlight. Um, there's just loads of little things. I mean. <laughs> It's just, uh, I sort of said the other day, there's, every match seems to have, in between one and ten, disqualifications, count-outs, refs sticking to the rules. I mean, you know, the amount of like big main events that, you know, or bigger matches that end with a count-out, or you just <laughs> wouldn't get that anymore. No, uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. People bring in novelty props to the ring. Um, if you bring a novelty prop to the ring, it's being used on someone. Uh, <laughs> animals. I mean, it's just, uh, as I said, it's just simpler times, and it's just... The really animal stuff is nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Those, those dogs and the snake and the bird, those yeah. around yeah. house shows and the site, yeah, it's just crazy. Man. It's just, and you can just can't imagine, you know, them being allowed to do it now. No. You've also got, you know, very bit, the stuff that where it's really of its time, um, there's some just weird things. I mean, obviously, I, I think I, earlier on, I, I watched um, Roddy Piper and... Gold Dust 
have a fight in a ring and then all of a sudden Goldust is left there in his fong which I'm just like what is going on here yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> however we'll come on controversial angle back in the day that one yeah yeah, that and, button as hard as I possibly <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just a different time and it's just yeah yeah and and uh, you know some and don't get me wrong some, some bits I, I absolutely love and I'm just currently one of the things I've really noticed is I think it's number uh, I think it's 11 when the American footballer is it yeah, the main yeah, event yeah yeah that to me has felt because I, I, I was on 13 that that was sort of like the end of the old guard because yeah, then number 12 yeah. number 12 I start seeing people pop up and then by 13 you've got your Austin yeah. Triple H China The Rock it literally 11 sort of seemed to end it 12 was a bit of a like change over and 13 now 13, 14, 15 I mean I, I think I'm just loaded up the Mike Tyson one it's fully it's fully changed now in yeah, the space yeah. of about now for me obviously I'm not watching all the shows in between but it's just fully changed in the space of like two WrestleManias bang um, which I find quite interesting um, but no, sorry Tony go, go ahead I think a lot, saying, a lot of that I think was in response to what WCW were doing at the time with the NWO angle and they were trying to they knew the old cartoonish sort of stuff no longer compete right because they were losing in the ratings so I think that's that, that a big part and I was trying to get younger new talent in and it, yeah, I thought the old talent ended up in WCW so Macho Man Roddy Piper Hulk Hogan you know so it's kind of a change of the guard if you like yeah it's a really interesting thing because back in 90 so Hogan after WrestleMania 9 um, Vince like, you're, you're too old he's, I think he's 41 42 at the moment at the time he's like you could do a kind of Babe Ruth type role um, where you come in maybe with the odd match but as a special attraction so he wouldn't be doing a lot of not a lot of pay-per-views and probably not as much money um, but actually, fast forward to 2020, and Vince just pushes old guys. He doesn't push anyone that's new. Like Randy, Edge is 46. Randy Orton's 40. And Brock Lesnar, I can't remember what his early 40s. Goldberg's in his 50s. It's just like, yeah. Vince has become an old man, and now he doesn't really believe in pushing young people anymore. Um, and it's just interesting the way that, that that's changed. But it's the other thing about WrestleMania is very, WrestleMania is really a rest, wrestling time capture because everything that happens on that, lots of people will just see that and no one will ever go back and watch, you know, the raw between WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 10. But that's why these things, kids that are getting into it now will go back and watch these. So that's why it's such an important show because whatever happens on that, people will watch yeah. it for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years afterwards because, because of the name, really. Which makes this year's show even sadder, really, because it's more than WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the... Said obviously I speak to you mainly about it, right? But the, the feedback I get is when uh, said I've listened to your sadly listened to all of your podcasts, Steve. Not sadly, I mean I'm proud to say. <laughs> and uh, but you get a lot of guests on there that sort of say that they you get a lot that say they st- they stopped watching for a period of time. Yeah. And and then it got and then you had the attitude era. It seems sounds very similar that that's happening again, where it's it's dropping off and people are going, oh, it's turned into storytelling like you say like a like a soap opera it's, not even, good, it's not even good enough to be a soap really I mean <laughs> if it was I mean the attitude era was, was largely soap, soap opera soap opera wrestling really but it, it's just not good enough to be that it's just like they don't trust they've got people writing their promos that don't understand wrestling it's just, it's just not not real life and um, going back to that 96-97 period that's exactly so I, I went away from WF and watched Nitro every Friday night on TNT which was the abridged version for quite a lot of that run um, so there's things interesting when I went back and watched those first 10 or 12 nitros 
especially after they went two hours of stuff I'd never seen before because we only got an hour version quite a long time, I think. Um, but yeah, that, that, it completely changed the business because WWF basically decided in around the time of WrestleMania 13 and thereafter summer to kind of become more adult, Jerry Springer, South Park style um, presentation, really. And that's what got them, that and Steve Austin. But I just don't see the only, yeah. only the, right now, only the hardest poor wrestling fans to watch WWE because it's just impossible to keep up with it. That's another thing that's good about AEW. You're talking about two hours a week. It's quite easy to buy four pay-per-views here. It's like you can't really, you know, that's yeah. quite easy to keep up with. Yeah, WWE have a lot of content now, don't they? It's yeah. hard. It's, it's hard to set that much time aside to watch that much wrestling. I would say. Wait, were you talking Raw's three hours? Well, not including adverts. Raw is three hours. SmackDown's two hours, and NXT is two hours every week. If you wanted to watch everything that was first run, and that's all live, seven hours. So, yeah. I mean, who's got the time for that? It's just, it's just, yeah, it'll be interesting what happens with them when um, when their TV deal comes up in a few years' time because I think they could be in a little bit of trouble. I would I would think. And so I think the sports. Who would you? What do you guys think about that? The, the whole sports rights bubble. Obviously, there's a lot of talk at the moment about Premier League football not finishing and what happens to the clubs with the money. But do you think that something's going to go pop with one of these big broadcasters because they're just paying so much money for these these sports rights? I think it's going to have to at some stage, isn't it? I'm not sure it's sustainable, really. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure WWE are getting the, the numbers to, to justify what they're getting getting paid. I guess no, it's certainly not. Works. Certainly not on Fox. Every, uh, um, every, uh, yeah, Fox every Friday night in prime time. It's like, well, they can they can probably put reruns or something on and get and pay nothing for it and get yeah. ratings that aren't too too far away from that. Um, so shall we have a look? We're gonna before we do the Mid South review, we're gonna whiz through um, this week's AEW Dynamite episode. Um, yeah. So I uh, first up, I'm, we're not gonna take a great deal of time on this, but do jump in, guys. If there's anything that you want to want to add <laughs> yeah. that I've missed? Um, so start off with um, promo from Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, basically, this is advancing the feud with um, Lance Archer, who's representing Cody. Um, I thought this was pretty great. There was a line in it where he asked whether someone was standing in front of a train or would you jump out of an aeroplane or would you, or without a parachute, or would you stand in the ring and look at Lance, Lance Archer and think you have a prayer of winning? And then all three things, you end up in the same position, and that's done. Um, he also goes on to ask whether Cody is a man or a mouse. Um, Tony, what did you think of this open promo from Jake Snake here? Very effective. I think Jake's always been good at promos, isn't he? Um, I think he's selling Lance Archer as a monster, which mm. clearly he is. So I think I think it's a great pairing. I think yeah. he's getting a lot of Lance Archer's work and getting him over without him needing to do any speaking himself. Definitely. Dan, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I just think the promos in general, um, there was a lot in this week's, but the promos in general on AEW I think are very good. Yeah, uh, they get you very like even you know I'm sure we'll come to it but even when you know like some of the outcomes of the matches you think well you're never going to win but then I get to the end of it going mm, maybe you will actually um, and that's yeah, for me the promo exactly, that's won me over yeah uh, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about there and <laughs> yeah. I agree completely um, I just think if Jake can remain sort of clean and sober and coherent he could be a real plus to this company but that's always been yeah. a challenge with him over the last sort of what 20 plus years um, that, that he's never been around anywhere for too long um, so Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho are on commentary this week um, and the first match was Lance Archer versus Alan Angels who doesn't get a construction <laughs> um, Jericho calls him about four or five different names here I think so I've got it might be Angles might be Angels I wasn't too sure really so I've got Ingleston and Eagleston down as well so 
Um, yeah, I think Jericho's playing around with the uh, with the name here. Uh, basically, this is a real a squash match, and Archer wins with um, his blackout in one thirty seven. Um, he also hit a, hit a really great looking one handed overhead suplex um, yeah. to brutalise this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan, any thoughts on this one? And, and actually, I mean, any thoughts on Archer's presentation? So overall, so far, this is the second match. So far. yeah, so uh, so for me, uh, like because um, one thing with AW is all the wrestlers have got a background. Um, you know, when when I'm watching the, the rewatching these WrestleManias, generally when the new guys turn up, they've not really got any history. So you know, for example, just you know, The Rock and Stone Cold, the history or you know, no one really knows who they are. Whereas in AEW, I don't yeah, know who they are. Yeah, their history is in the company, isn't it? Austin's a little yeah. bit of story, but they never, they never yeah. spoke about that. Yeah, they never no. spoke about that. Yeah. Whereas in AEW, I. I know they've all had, they've been somewhere else, you know, I generally ask you, like, where have they been before? But I, but I know that when they've signed someone, this person's come from somewhere else. This guy I'd never heard of. I know that I sort of said to you straight away, then I went on the internet and everyone went, it's good. And then the guy turns up and I'll be honest, I'm genuinely like, what is this guy going to do? Like, I, I mean, he's in the, obviously the TNT championship match. I suspect that's just the first, you know, that's the first thing that's come up that he can really, go for the, from what I've seen of this guy I don't see how he's not going to be sort of a top billing the only thing I see is, is I think he's a little older yeah I think um, yeah but yeah. still could have you know five good years in him um, yeah yeah and for and for AEW I do uh, when I when I read the comments it depends on you know where, where you read but I use Twitter and stuff there is obviously still a lot of thing about the top the top uh, the top billing still being ex WWE Mm-hmm. And you know he's come from I don't, I, I don't know has he got a WWE background I know he's come from Japan uh, he was in TNA um, for a bit wasn't he yeah um, he was in he was in WWE for a period of time um, but he, but most yeah, people were in, um, I guess but yeah yeah his his he was Vance Archer in um, Florida Championship Wrestling and he also appeared um, for a period on their ECW show. Um, right, okay. And he was uh, briefly in a tag team on SmackDown with Kurt Hawkins. And I wish I could say that as all from memory, but that is all from Wikipedia. So. <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually 43 as well. Um, yeah, so he was in, he was in TNA I, before that, wasn't he? So he was in TNA for quite a long, quite a long time as Lance Hoyt. Lance Hoyt, yeah, that's, that's right. It, yeah. I just think it's good that he's come. Sort of, he's not known though for right. He's not known for WWE, right? So I think no, that's a good, no, that's a good angle yeah. for them. It's a new guy. You know, okay, he might be 43, but to someone like that's just watching it again or getting into AEW, he doesn't really matter how old he is. I've never heard of him. He doesn't look so old. He could be 20. He? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, yeah. he's massive, isn't it? I mean, he's a, and, and obviously they need these matches, right? So, you know, the match itself is, I mean, they're quite humorous at times. <laughs> yeah, they I need don't these mind the squashes, actually. Yeah. I mean, we'll see, we'll see a lot more of these in the mid, or we saw a lot more of those in the Mid-South show, but I actually don't mind this. Tony, what have you thought of Archer so far? <laughs> Very impressed. I mean, the, the, the movie talk about it, it looked like a choke slam into a almost a fall away slam. It was, yeah, I've never really seen a move like that. So, My own. Pr- pretty impressive. Also, just like, I thought Jericho on commentary was very good. Super. I, actually really, yeah. I actually really enjoyed Jericho on commentary, and I thought he made a lot of the matches better. He was um, fast. Yeah, last fights were very good. Very good. I can imagine he's on a obviously a collision course with Cody. Um, which is a match I'd love to see, and I'm sure we'll see it very soon. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, great, great. Um, it's a good way of getting him in. I think getting him to squash people because he's a monster, right? Yeah, definitely. And actually, I think there's, there's a. I mean, obviously, a lot of these 
apparently a couple of months worth of TV's been taped. So I'm sure this is this has all been done. But actually, you don't you don't want this guy in a match against a named person where you have to choose who's going to win or lose. And like, I wouldn't want to see him in, in with maybe, let's say, Jungle Boy or um, Darby Allen or someone like that because you just don't want those guys to be losing at this stage. No. This works, I think, for me, definitely. Um, so I'm sure you guys are probably quite excited about this next one. As I know you're the uh. AEW Women's Division. <laughs> so Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. Um, I think I like Britt more every time I see her. And, and I, feel, I think her heel work has been exceptional so far. Um, in fact, I think this this actually is between my two favourite women in the whole promotion, and I can see some <laughs> exasperated looks in faces here. Um, so, amusingly, Jericho, as as you mentioned, had been great on commentary, and he asked Tony Giovanni if he's ever been to Tanagawa, which is Shida's hometown, and Giovanni says no, and Jericho says, yeah, he has, and it's a dump, which is very amusing. Um, so, we have wrestlers on the outside again this week um, at the taping, and I think that's a real strength um, AEW have done, which WWE haven't done. I know there were some restrictions in Florida, and this this is in Georgia now where they're taking it, um, but I think that, that wrestlers on the outside makes this empty arena stuff a million times better. And It's, it's essential. It's yeah. essential. It's nuts to think that the, the, the company with the guy in charge who's been running a wrestling company for 13 or 14 months thought of this, and the guy that's been running a wrestling company since 1982 or maybe 81 didn't think of it, and Hans still hasn't done it. I mean, there's, there's, there must be ways to make this arena better. Look, and this, this, is, this is a bearable show, I think. I mean, it, it's just—it's not just that, that there's some sort of background noise. It's that they're using it to sort of make some angles on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they sit the heels with the baby faces each side. I find it quite interesting. I'm always looking at who's on what side. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. You know, the, 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 I like, like I like the betting when they were just bet, the betting angle. I just thought it was quite amusing. It's just you know, again, it, you know, Sammy didn't fight this week, but you still got a bit of him. He's hilarious, right? So yeah. you know, when he's when he's talking to the camera, saying you know she's still not hit me up and stuff, it's just amusing, <laughs> right? It's just uh, absolutely. It's, it adds an angle. Uh, you know, they, they, they're actually not only just putting them there just to make noise. They're actually able to do stuff with them. Um, and, and introduce people to us without them fighting. So, for example, before this, I I knew Billy Gunn was signed up. I didn't know his son was yeah, too yeah. much. I mean, I know he's. I think he's on dark sometimes. But all of a sudden, his son's there every week. So now, all of a sudden, when this when this all goes back, he's probably got a little bit of a following building up, and it's easier to introduce him to the to the main. Yeah, exactly. I've not seen any spoilers. I don't think any spoilers are out there. But you could easily you can imagine Lance Archer. Um, going out there and attacking the son. He has a match with the son the week mm. afterwards, has a match with the dad or whatever. But I, I, I'm not saying yeah. that, but I completely agree. Um, there's a great moment in this match where Britt Baker hits the famous and then lies in her front and smiles at Billy Gunn, um, which is what was really, really great. Um, <laughs> Baker got quite a bloody nose in this one. I didn't see how it happened, but it seemed maybe after the slightly botched Insiguri spot. Did, did, I, was. did you guys see what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I think it was... Did, yeah. did she catch her with her foot, or did she kick her arm into her own face? I couldn't work that. Wouldn't, couldn't work that oh, out. I thought she caught her with the base of her foot, but it, I mean, it certainly wasn't meant to happen. No. No. Uh, no, I, th- I think it added to the match. I think it. Yeah. I think I, I actually watched this whole match for a change, and uh, not I've seen many bouts. It's probably the best women's match. <laughs> well, all of all one you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I actually, I actually didn't mind it. I thought it went on a bit too long. It was very long. Um, but he's pretty hard-hitting, I thought. And he's how, how long was it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what. I, I started timing this, um, and I, bo- I bodged almost every timing on the whole show, because it's okay. great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, basically, Shida eventually wins this one with a running knee strike. Um, I haven't seen this week's NXT, and I'm not sure I'm going to. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is one of the better empty arena matches I've seen since this era started. And this is a lot better than anything on WrestleMania this past weekend. Genuinely, wow. I thought this was fantastic. I thought the girls it was did really, really well. Yeah. Um, hard hitting. They were, this is the best, this is the best Brit Baker match I've ever seen. Um, and I've pretty much only seen her AEW stuff. I thought she was fantastic. Great. Her facials with the blood, just phenomenal. Um, so Tony, you, you approve this one as well. I know you got, to be fair to them, the AEW women's division hasn't set the world on fire and there's a lot of good women's wrestling out there. And I think, and I can't really, uh, explain it but sometimes really good women's wrestling can just get you in a way that sometimes the men can't I don't know whether that's the sympathy sim- like the you feel sympathy for them because of the selling because of the small sometimes you get this from watching Stardom the women's promotion in Japan uh, some of their selling can be I don't know you just feel more sympathy towards them and some of the moves are harder hitting perhaps mm. um, and I thought there was an element of that in this which I thought was, was really great um, unfortunately I think uh, match quality kind of went downhill from here um, sadly um, but yeah <laughs> So yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought they both were yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess Sheeda must be pushing towards a, towards a title match at some point fairly soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, I'm actually quite, the one thing I would say about the women's division that I'm quite intrigued about is how they go about the current champion, uh, Nyla Rose, losing that belt. Uh, yeah. Now, I know it will happen. Um, you know, I remember WWE thinking about it, thinking the same when I think China had it for a bit, or I think I still watch when Beth Phoenix had it, thinking, well, who, no one's ever going to beat that person. And you look at Nyla Rose and you think, no one's ever going to beat this woman. But it's quite interesting to see, it'll be quite interesting to see how they position that. Because yeah. that Chris Statlander, she's, she's big enough to do it, but I think they, they obviously gave her her title shot way too early. She was never yeah, going to win that after about two weeks. Um, so I'm quite intrigued because the, just the difference in size between that Nyla Rose and the sort of the women that have come over from Japan. Um, but she's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we cut backstage to Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa, and they are talking about teaming together for the first time in seven years. I'm a DDT. Um, they do a skit about being called best friends. Kenny says that that name is gone. And Nakazawa also suggests as Kenny is e- an EVP, he should change it. They show Orange Cassidy coming out of the toilet in the trailer and presumably having had a smelly shit in there. Um, and in come the uh, best friends and accuse Omega of wanting to take their names. And they say that they are, in fact, better friends than Kenny and Michael are. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Tony? You, you go first on this uh, backstage segment. I, I, I hated it. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it one bit. Um, I think the problem with this was, well, as soon as they put out stakes in the match... It just sold the finish to me. Yeah. You knew how it was going to end. Um, it wasn't pretty obvious anyway, but I didn't like it at all. I think no. Kenny Omega, I'm not saying he needs to get away from this stuff, but yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Not, not in I think we'll take, in fact, we'll take, let's, um, I'm going to hold that thought because um, that gives away something later about main event guys and comedy stuff but Dan have you got any anything more to add on this, this I mean you missed a bit where at the end of the sketch they told Orange Cassidy to go back in the toilet <laughs> if you notice that when they walked out of the trailer they said Orange get back in there and he went back in and that, look I mean them bits there that I felt I thought it was quite amusing I mean the yeah it's just uh, you're right with Amiga. You, you sort of want him to be a bit more serious, but 
again, he comes across to me like he's quite a light-hearted guy. They do that. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. They do the being the elite. Yeah. I don't watch it, but whenever I've seen any clips, it's quite funny. Um, and well, we'll come on to their match, but you know, like the best friends are. They're a very good tag team, but unfortunately, they're in uh, they're in a company where all the tag teams are good. I mean, yeah. I watched when when they do their fight, like when they fight on their own, they are really impressive. I think, but there's just something about them that, to me, just do you know what? It might even be the name. There's something about them that I just can't have, can't picture them being the champions. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, maybe I mean Orange Cassidy. Is, is amusing and I thought a revolution I thought that was quite funny uh, he did well there the against Pac thought, but, yeah. Yeah. but then I just assumed that after that and maybe it's been delayed because of everything that's going on but I thought after that he might then actually wrestle um, but mm-hmm. he's just sort of gone back to just being there um, but I, I don't know I quite like the little sketches they're funny <laughs> I know what you mean about the best friends I think that Trent not having a surname is very good his name previously was Beretta I don't, I don't really get people being called by one name that's just not, not a weird that's still a bit of a weird thing um, but yeah I don't know about them I think, you're, I think you're completely right they are in a bit of a loaded division they're always going to be kind of around mid-card and there's not much you can do yeah. about that um, so after this um, they run through the, ra- the rankings um, after the break which I skipped um, and then we have a really good package about the empty arena AEW world task match between Moxley and Jake Hager and um, I think these packages really separate this promotion from any other and AEW does such a good job with these um, and this really should be I think in the days of, sort of HBO 24-7 and UFC countdown shows what, what wrestling shoot towards more um, what do you guys think about that Dan you go first what do you think of this I mean a couple of things the promos are just I think uh, this one was similar to the program they done before Revolution um, yeah. and it, and that the narrator I think he does other sort of sports promos He's, yeah. uh, I think he might do NFL well, ones very like him yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and it's just they're, they're very good and this is what I was alluding to earlier I can't see how Moxley doesn't uh, defend that title so early on. However, I got to the end of that promo and thought, he feasibly could, given how they position this. I'm now going, actually, I could see that that could feasibly happen. Um, but then I go back and go, no, that's not... But again, but it's, I like but it. Got it's you. given me that ear of doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has. Yep. And, you know... Um, Hager comes across quite likeable, actually. Um, I think he comes across quite likeable. Um, but it's a very, yeah, it gets you really into it. Um, and actually, I think what it's also done is that's a big match that's going to be, because they positioned it, the way they positioned it, they positioned it to sort of say, there's going to be no one there. Yeah. They're sort of trying to make the, it, there be no one there, make, will make it, would make it better than, for example, if it was in a ring. I think they're yeah. trying to sell it that, it's it's going to be better with no fans, yeah. um, which you know each to their own. But I think that's quite clever, and I, and I think a promo like that has really helped. Hmm. Don't yeah. know. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, loved it. The before the production values is very good. I think Sank AEW does very well. Um, they can sell a big match. This had a pay per view feel main event match all over. It, I felt, and it's as Dan was saying, you'd you'd probably buy this pay per view. Took you into it already. You don't know the outcome. It, it has. So, yeah. I mean, I you, you're, you've ultimately got um, Dean. If, you, if you're talking about the WWE people, you've got Dean Ambrose versus Jack Swagger. If someone said that was going to be on Raw, people would fast forward that. I mean, Ambrose yeah. reached some heights in uh, WWE, and he was 
was world champion. However, you fast forward to AEW, and the, these two new characters, Hager and Moxley, it's just, like, they just did such a fantastic job of this. And you're right, Dan, it, it's like, it got me thinking, I, you know, I've watched, I've watched wrestling pretty much my whole life. I'm like, these, I've, I've really thought, well, you know what, they could switch this title for a couple of weeks and, get, and for, some, for something to do on these. Yes. So, yeah. And I'm like, if they've got me, they've got everyone. And that, that's, I, thought, I just thought this was great, really, really great. Um, so we move into the best friends versus Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa match um, next. I'm not going to say all that much about this. Um, there was a spot where Nakazawa put some baby oil on his chest, protecting some friend shots that slid right off. Um, and then there was a really odd cut for Nakazawa to take back to Omega. Um, Trent took a really scary looking bump off a doomsday device type move with Nakazawa pushing him rather than the close line to do. Um, there's also, what, do you want you guys want to explain the pants to the face? Because I actually missed when he was pulling whatever it was out <laughs> of his. Tony, you can do that if you want. I missed that. So like, okay, mate, I missed that bit. <laughs> uh, so there was a bit where Nakazawa, I believe, pulled something. I, I didn't, I, I must have been looking at my laptop because I, I didn't see him pull these, what I think was either pants or a jock strap out of his wrestling trunks. And then he then he shoved them in. Uh, he tried to sh- he shoved them in one of the best friends' face, and then it accidentally shoved them in my Megas in the end, didn't he? I thought it was uh, an interesting spot. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, Jericho on commentary made that spot. I think, to be honest, um, the, I think the best part of that match for me was when Nakazawa tried to do a double clothesline. He's been flying through the air like Superman. I thought yeah. that, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny spot. Um, didn't like the match at all. <laughs> if I'm being no, honest, yeah. again, it, it's, it's a comedy match, but I think for comedy matches you need a crowd. Um, I don't think they work in empty arenas. Yeah, I mean, oh, for me, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, just to clarify your point, because I actually did rewind it to confirm that, uh, shamefully, and it was his, and I can confirm it was his pants uh, <laughs> that he managed to remove uh, during it. But the bit for me that made it was Jericho again. I mean, even <laughs> I could, I listened back twice when he just talks about Michael Nakazawa's um, wrestling attire when he's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's oh, he's creative. Oh, his designers really, really, um, really done well with that one. You can buy that on awshop.com because it's just a black vest with his name on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, and I'll tell you one thing as well. I sat there and thought I could get that. I know plenty of people. I'm talking to two of them would love that as a joke present. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really true. I would love it. I would love it. Um, so ultimately, here the best friends won uh, with the Storm Zero in Nakazawa while Omega was on the outside. And um, I just think, and well, Matt Hardy and Jericho is another instance this later on. I don't want to see Kenny Omega in comedy matches ever. Um, I just think main top line main eventers shouldn't be in this stuff. Um, I'm sure Kenny Omega probably disagrees with me, given some of the stuff that he's done um, previously, especially in his career in DDT. But I just this is just not this stuff not for me. I'm not sure how much I think comedy wrestling works if you're at a house show with no TV cameras on and it works for a live show. Sometimes it works on TV, but not often. I think there's a lot more misses than hits. Um, and I think this is a this is a miss. How do you do comedy with no one reacting? Basically, yeah. yeah. You need yeah. a crowd. Amiga should not be in this sort of match, not in the slightest. No. Especially not as a tag team champion. I sort of thought he looked a little embarrassed, uh, but you know, that's his I'm best mate. Up. At the end of the day, I assume they are actually genuinely best mates. So yeah, I believe he so. probably just quite, he probably enjoys he probably enjoys wrestling with him. Yeah, maybe I don't know. 
I mean, I feel for Omega a little bit because basically what's ha- what's happening on these shows is they, the guys in California, like the Young Bucks and um, Excalibur, can't couldn't get out. And also a lot of the New York guys couldn't get out either. So you've got this really skeleton crew down there. And I reckon Omega will be resting on almost every single one of these. And I believe they were, they were taped over the space of maybe two or three days. And um, so like he would have been even doing like a 15 minute comedy tag match. I'm sure he was, he was feeling this after a couple of days. Um, so after this, we, got a, we get a vignette with Brody Lee and the Dark Order. Um, Brody's quite good in his role, um, speaking, but there wasn't much this. What have you thought of this reveal so far that Brody Lee was the one? Was, was that a letdown? Um, uh, so me and Tony spoke about it a lot. Um, and I think I just, love that, just to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we just assumed it was going to be Matt Hardy, who I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit. Um, again, I, what's good for probably me is I didn't know who Brody Lee was. So for me, it was partly quite good because I was like, oh, who's this guy? But the other part, sometimes when it's a reveal, you sort of want it to be someone that's well, like world, what, like known, right? So there's something yeah, about yeah. that. Um, I mean, for me, for the whole, the whole thing, number, number one, I mean, the Dark Order, I mean, I know you skipped the rankings, but during this time where they've waiting to reveal, they've not, they've rocked up a five and O record, mm. uh, which puts really? them number, yeah, which puts them number one, um, which I find, you know, again, I don't think these rankings mean anything, but they are technically number one. They haven't lost. And I think that's gone under the radar a little bit. And that's without him. So I don't know now whether now he can just slot in. The other bit is, I think last week, I think you had eight and nine wrestle, which I thought was fairly, <laughs> fairly amusing. But they were clearly sort of jobbers, as I would call it. Yeah. You know, uh, I think for this to work, he needs to either recruit a big name or the recruits he has got, they can remain masked, but they need to go and do something. There's something about going for, I know, I know the whole point is that they're going for people that, uh, you know, not doing well, being overlooked, etc. But I mean, it's not overly exciting, is it? That they just keep, you know, even this week he was looking at Marco Stunt, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing he's looking at him because he's saying you're losing most weeks, like you, Christopher Daniels. To be honest, unless it's, Unless he can then, unless he gets someone, say like Christopher Daniels, and then all of a sudden he starts winning every week, and you go, oh, hang on. But to me at the moment, I'm just watching a guy that's recruiting people that aren't very good, aren't going to do anything, um, trying to sort of get people that we don't really want to see overly too much, giving them a bit yeah. more airtime. There needs to be something. He needs to go and recruit someone big, you know, a bit of a an unveiling you know a bit of a a bit of a uh, going back to WWF a bit of Ministry of Darkness sort of vibe to it you know yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, if, we, yeah. if we go back to that Ministry of uh, Ministry of Darkness you had people like Fischera or, or whatever it may be Gangrel they weren't the best wrestlers in the world but they but I, I remember their names because they caused issues you know so there was something about that as a that as a group that you went well hang on and they would cause problems uh, this looks like looks like he's just got a load of masked school children that aren't going to yeah, do anything you need, you need some personality if, if he's having a good go at these guys you need one of them to have a personality that you feel sorry for and then, and then yeah. feel for that turn but if yeah. it's just Mars nobody's it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything does it I, I think yeah um, I agree also yeah. I, li- I like the hiring though I think AEW needs to get a few more big men if you like him large science is a good way to go I kind of I'm not too sure on his finishing move 
it's similar to Hangman Pages, just which is which is throwing me off a little bit that they've, they've allowed him to finish like that. And that's yeah, yeah. It looks very similar. Um, but yeah, again, I think he's been quite impressive. Just been squashing people. I think it's a good build up for him. I think yeah. I have to be careful they're not building him and Lance Archer up the same way. Mm. They've got to yeah, separate yeah. somehow very soon, I would say, because otherwise it's just very samey, samey, isn't it? No, definitely. Um, after the break, we've got another Hager and Moxie video. Um, again, they do a really good job here. Um, and I think clearly we're going to get a number of these in the coming episodes, as I suspect that the overall um, in-ring tape content um, to be pretty much the bare minimum. Um, I Also, Danny probably knows this as well. Uh, Tony, have you got AEW Plus now? Are you... Um, are you watching by no, other means? No, not yet. Other means at the moment. Other means, that's fine. Oh, other means. Are <laughs> um, so uh, we, we actually discussed that today about uh, up in the game from other means. <laughs> well, at the moment, you're not missing. There was a few things on AW Plus that were worth watching in the breaks, like the um, Sammy Guevara and his cards and stuff. But actually, yeah. um, this week and quite rightly, there's no resting during the breaks. They just they've cut this show to the exact yeah. TV time, which, which makes complete sense. Um, so after the break, we get a segment with Matt Hardy, um, who describes Jericho as the whole of the arse, which is quite funny. Um, so what do, you, what, do you, what do you both think? Um, Tony, you go first. What do you think of Matt Hardy so far in AEW? See, I, and, I, and his reveal. I, I, um, I remember Matt Hardy, which is Hardy Boys. Uh, I missed, didn't see any of his TNA stuff or Impact stuff when he'd done a lot of this broken Matt Hardy I'll be honest, it's, it might just be me, I don't like it at the moment. Um, I didn't like I, I didn't like his reveal, I didn't like his segment with Jericho, I thought it was horrible. Um, I don't like the teleporting around the arena. I just think for AEW, they're trying to be a serious wrestling company, and they need a little bit of variation, but for me it's been a bit of a... You don't need that. Yeah, you I, I think it's been a miss. I thought, yeah. I thought some of the, the Vanguard stuff with Jericho last week was quite funny, um, but I think that's more Jericho rather than... Uh, than the drone um, yes. but yeah for me so far I've not liked it I don't like his presentation so, I, 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 maybe I don't get it yet um, just well, the whole weirdness no, I, think, I think it's very, it's a very Marmite thing so that's apparently Matt Hardy um, tweeted I think to say that he was he didn't teleport that it was Vanguard um, doing a projection of him around the arena okay yeah, I, I don't mind I don't I mean I thought it was ridiculous wherever you want to look at it but I'm, I'm quite pleased they did make some attempt to explain that I think what you said about it being a serious promotion is absolutely right Matt Hardy in TNA I watched that that the deletion match with, with Jeff Hardy and I encourage you both to watch it if you haven't seen it because it is probably in line with what you what we're going to get with Jericho and I thought that was that was I quite enjoyed it but the line somewhere is if you, if you, perhaps, perhaps this is unfair on TNA but TNA then was a really struggling promotion that has already gone, what, like, it was going way downhill and it was, you know, it wasn't what it was at the height of AJ Styles and Kurt Angle. So actually you can get away with that as a main event angle. It doesn't work when you're upping, when you're upping the kind of, um, production to a WWE level or, um, AEW. Though that being said, what The Undertaker and AJ Styles did at the weekend was, was the Matt, was Matt Hardy stuff. So, um, you know, WWE have tried it. I hated it. Most people liked it. Um, Dan, what, what have you thought of Matt Hardy so far? Um, so I guess I guess the arrival bit couldn't really be helped. Um, I suspect they had something a lot better lined up. That would have been, uh, gone mad. The crowd would have gone mad, wouldn't they? Yeah, so that's yeah. a bit of that's a bit unfortunate. Um, and I didn't mind that too much. The week after, I, again, it, it, 
we opened up this 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 podcast discussing how AEW strength is there. So wrestling and Tony's touched upon it there. This is to me the first time they've gone into a bit of a cartoony thing. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, that's Matt Hardy's decision to do that. I got, I got the gist from some of the things I've read. He wasn't allowed to do that in WWE. I completely see why. Um, they didn't. They didn't did do that. a little bit, but not. Not he would. He would never have had the greatest result yeah. he had in TNA or now. Yeah. Um, the last week's was just ridiculous. Really disappointing. Um, if Jericho wasn't in that ring, that would have been awful. Um, you know, the couple of bits where he said, you know, uh, you didn't expect me here this week, and Jericho went, well, yeah, yeah, I did. It was on the it was on the promo from last week's show, and yeah, things like that. Jericho just sort of cuts them down. Do, do you know what? I just, sorry, sorry to jump in, Dan. Just something interesting about that about that segment. So apparently, they taped that segment the day before at Daly's place. Jericho hated it so much. They retaped it the following day, and they, apparently they taped it about half an hour. They were showing a match because for that dynamite the first week, they uh, was that the second. Matt Hardy was the second, second, MVP, second, yeah. yeah, yeah, second one for the second week. They taped some match on the Tuesday, some match on the Wednesday. So while they were airing a match, they taped on the Tuesday. They redid that segment and edited it in fifteen minutes and aired it live on the show. Oh, right, so, yeah. yeah, so obviously Jericho hated it so much, and that version that we saw was the one. Obviously they. They basically had no no option at that point to wear. Yeah. So, yeah. So no. So I mean, and then and then you had the say last week, Hardy. You know, it was that was more about Vanguard and the release of the hounds. Very funny. Plus Jericho. Yeah, that was this great. Week, this week, he, in my opinion, he's he redeemed Hardy redeemed himself because it was funny. This week, like how he described, like you know, the inner circle and things like that. It's funny. Um, but it's acting, yeah, and that's that's the issue I got. It's to, that it's clearly acting. He's clearly acting, and it's very frustrating because it's like stop it, and you know, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult. Do you know what? I would have this time last month. I'd have gone. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I'm sitting there watching WrestleManias where every single person has some sort of character. Yeah, where they, you know, I'm watching The Undertaker who's down and out and he sees an urn and he jumps back up. I mean, I can't really now be saying that, you know, too much, but I think times have changed and to sort of say that, yeah, it's just, it's just not working. Um, but again, it's a bit unfortunate that he's arrived when there's no crowds. So, you, so they're probably only getting their feedback from social media, which as we know is a massive mixed bag. If yeah. if he was doing that in the ring, they would soon know if that was working or not. If the crowd yeah, was there, 100%. They but they can't. They can't tell that at the moment. They can't tell at the moment what that have gone. That's when he arrived. But then you might have seen a bit more like now if people were a bit. What well, you you know this isn't working. It's very yeah. difficult. Um, the, the problem for me, I don't mind the Matt Hardy character, um, and I think he's he's he's, he's 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 entertaining and his promos are decent. The bit that I struggle with is. I'm not interested in watching Matt Hardy wrestle anymore. Um, and I'm not interested in um, him either in a bog standard wrestling match. And I'm certainly not interested in one of these things that we're going to get. So he challenges Jericho to the, the, to the elite deletion at the Hardy compound. So this is what we're going to get, basically, is one of these movie-like matches. I'm just not... I'm not, I'm not sure that's better for him than um, actually an in-ring match because him and Jericho in a ring, I've got no interest in. Especially empty arena... But I just I just worry about Jericho being in this feud because he Jericho was red hot going into that title match against Moxley. I mean, they did a pretty good job 
say, well, I don't say it in the right word, but kind of reinvigorating him after. He's still calling him the champion, and now it's this, and I'm just not sure yeah. it's good feud for him. And, and going back to what I said earlier, it's a now it's a WWF feud again. Yeah. Um, and even I know this one. And <laughs> actually, I think me and Tony discussed this before. Originally, when we heard the rumours that it might be he might be coming over, that was quite early. I think yeah. in AEW sort of creation and I remember time we were definitely we were like oh this would be good yeah. but actually then as time's passed I'm looking and I'm thinking well even if that's, that, that, that's the Matt Hardy I know from X amount of years ago that's what the Young Bucks do yeah. and they do it and they do it to me technically they do it better um, and actually now I've just got sort of an, an, maybe like a an, an older man trying to relive his relive his youth by doing the things that they're doing and not yeah. just them you know not just them as I said before the technical ability of the wrestlers in AEW is you know they stood out in WWF um, I don't think they would well it's like anything the Young Bucks aren't really I mean I appreciate they are an amazing tag team they're not standing out by a mile they're still I think the, like one of the best but you can still see, I understand them losing the Hardys you're always like they're miles better than ever. like at times yeah. you're like you're miles better mm. so it, you know, there's dif- there's different. It's a different time now for him, and like you said, like it's interesting that you know you you watch more than me. You're not interested in seeing him wrestle. Yeah, which is, which is quite interesting. That's a big. It's a yeah. big coup for them. But yeah, someone that watches wrestling a lot, seemingly, it's a name. It's not. It's a name. It's not a. Exactly. It's not adding to the the roster. I guess. It's, I wonder if he evolves into because he's got a lot of ideas and he could be very good for him backstage or whether he evolves, evolves into a manager. But I wonder how you fit that character with, with, with him as a manager. So he could always put the thing with him is you could always pull him away from that character and you know he's he's come to his senses or whatever and he, and he moves yeah. away from it. Hmm. Um, next up we have Brody Lee versus Lee Johnson um, and his name immediately made me think of the head coach of Bristol City. So I, I wonder <laughs> if. Uh, Lee Johnson, as he's not not having to take the training at the moment, where he's coming over to Georgia for a match, but it was he might he might have done a better job than that. Yeah, he might have done. I mean, I, Johnson took a great looking bump from that spinning discus lariat finisher, Brody Lee, but this was a total squash. Um, any any thoughts on this one? So. <laughs> I, I, um, again, there's not much to say really. Is there? He's, no, not he squashed really. the guy. Uh, the bit, bit after with Marco Stunt again. I don't think it adds anything. No. Really, to be honest, and yeah. I quite liked him. I quite liked him. I think he's good. Seems to be decent. Um, but yeah. okay, I, I guess the thing for me, the only thing is Jericho again. I picked up on is I don't know if you noticed, but that the guy he was facing was in the crowd for one of the previous fights, and Jericho went, "Who the uh, hell is this yeah. guy? <laughs> Who is this guy? Oh, he's he's he's. I've never heard of him." And then during the match, he's talking about him. He was going, "Oh, this is good for him. He's he's actually shown a lot yeah. of promise from what I've seen." I'm just like, "Yeah, he looks like a wrestler who trains hard." And then yeah, he's been absolutely yeah. killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um, so after this, we get more recap of the feud and previous match between Cody and Sean Spears, and um, we get a tail of the tape running down their records, weights and finishes. Um, and now Cody and Sean Spears. Um, and while Cody comes out, some of the, I don't know if you spotted this or heard this, but some of the wrestlers were seeing Cody's theme as he came out. Yeah. And you, you picked that up, which I thought was really, really great. His theme tune is excellent. Um, and Jericho suggests in commentary that if Cody doesn't ultimately win the TNT title, and that will make him a two-time loser, and there wouldn't be much <laughs> left for him to go after perhaps the women's title. Um, we've talked to you so much this time. Jericho's been great throughout the whole, the whole thing. Um, what do you guys think about... Uh, Tony, you go first. What, what do you think about the TNT title and the timing of this? And the name, and the name as well. Oh, I don't like the name at all. Um, 
the uh, it reminds me it's a bit of the old WCW TV title, isn't it? I think which is I guess the angle they're trying to sell it as. Um, I'm not sure. If it, I think it's too early for a new a new title in AEW. If I'm being honest. However, it's probably a way of getting Cody a belt. I guess that's one of the reasons they're selling it this way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's obvious who's going to get to the final. I think is what from looking at the brackets. I think. Um, yeah, I'm still undecided. I would say I, I don't think they need a second title yet, personally. Yeah, what, what do you what do you think of this, Dan? You know, I disagree. So I think it's a great idea. <laughs> um, look, it was gonna they were gonna have to bring another title in eventually. He always said that. Um, I think the idea that you know we're currently there's something about the fact that at the moment there's no crowd. Right, so in essence, everyone is watching this on a TV. I don't know. I've just linked it through like that. Like we're all watching. There's no one at the moment that's watching. I'm, I'm watching AEW the same as someone that lives in Georgia or wherever it's filmed, Florida. Everyone's watching it on TV. They've, they've, they're now starting the TV championship, right? Which is only being watched by people on TV. Um, they did. Cody mentioned that TNT asked for it. I don't know if you saw in the promo, which I thought was quite good. That he said that it, well, he said Warner. Um, so he's, I think, you know, he's tried, he's gone one, you know, he's used the big name rather than TNT. I've asked for this, um, which I think is sort of maybe a bit of like a, a nod to what you were saying earlier about all these TV deals coming up and maybe a nod to say, we're calling this a TNT title because we ain't going anywhere. Um, well, they, they signed on for another two years with an option. Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, they'd have been in big trouble with what's going on at the moment. Had they not signed that deal, I think beforehand, yeah, um, because I because their ratings are tanked and it's not their fault. Everyone's watching the news, or people are yeah. watching escape like reality TV, like escapism and stuff, or binge binging series. People aren't it. I think MC, though they've done it. To be fair to AEW, they've done a really good job with MC Arena stuff. The WWE stuff is depressing, so I think I don't think people want to watch that, and they're lucky that they've signed that deal, or very fortunate they signed that deal beforehand. Yeah, I, I, I still I think. I do think there is, I know you sent people to binge watching, I, I do, originally I was like, why, why are these people bothering, uh, why are they bothering to do this, um, but um, actually when I think about it now, it gives, it, I think that's a way that it gives people release as well, every Wednesday they know they've got that release, um, etc, I mean, the, I, I don't know, do you think that, do you agree with that, I don't, like that, because that, I know you Steve, particularly, you you might not maybe feel they shouldn't even be even be filming the shows. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, I feel a bit more comfortable now that they block tape. I think um, because I know, I know now when I'm watching that this has all been done weeks ago, and that's that's better than where we were in WWE. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, um, but but that all being said, I don't I. It's a tough one. I, I understand the thinking of why they did it. That all of the TV shows that they've that have been shown, this is WWE and uh, AEW and NXT, all are down in the ratings. People aren't, even though everyone's at home, no, people aren't watching these. People don't want, yeah. not clamoring for this. Um, and I think WrestleMania was just a bad. I mean, there's lots of things that people, AEW have got that we talked talk about this straight on the show with somebody else about a couple of wrestling mid out. Sometimes things or people have got goodwill, and sometimes things or people have got bad will. Generally speaking, wrestling fans have got bad will towards WWE 
because they've had years of turd basically they've had to put up with. AEW, people and most people have got goodwill towards because people want them to succeed and they've got one alternative. Both, in, both, both people are doing the same thing in terms of continuing taking and not really supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's better they've done it now, but I do wonder what happens in eight weeks' time. Um, and, and also, obviously, AEW supposed to have a pay-per-view next month, so yeah. I, I can't really see that happening in Las Vegas, certainly in front of the crowd. Um, and I hope that would be a good sense to postpone it, because no one wants to see three hours of pay-per-view with matches with no crowd. I, I think WrestleMania, given what you said about it, and to be honest, what I've read, may dictate that now. Um, yeah. I do think that. Um, but sorry, that was just a side. But going back to the TV championship, Tony just said it, uh, meant, uh, touched upon it. I think the final's probably going to be... Cody versus Lance Archer. The only downside to that for me is uh, about this about this belt is my view when they brought it was that it was designed for a Derby Sammy. Yes, it's designed yeah. for them. A bit like we've said before, you know, not trying to link it to WWE, but the Intercontinental Title, etc. To put Derby and Sammy in the first round is crazy because the other half yeah. of the draw, the other half of the draw is very weak. Um, I can't believe they put them together. Uh, and I would have been, even make that a semi-final. Um, it's just a... I mean, don't get me wrong. It, we could be wrong and maybe they are going to go and maybe Derby or, or Sammy are going to win it and we've got this completely wrong. But I feel like they're going to have, if it's Cody or Lance, as we touched, touched on earlier on, you're going to have sort of two belts with two like top card which is going back to again going back to what I've been watching actually from what I can see from Wrestlemania's 1 to 10 or whatever it is the Intercontinental is seen as very prestigious thing to have yes uh, yeah. and maybe they want to bring something like that back you know that actually good on you if you've got that it's not, it's not a lesser belt it's just a different belt Exactly, and that's the way New Japan does their intercontinental title, and, and, they, and they want something that the main event shows. I just think, for me, I understand why they've done this tournament, and I think probably the brackets are where they are because those are the guys that are there. I think probably. Oh, maybe um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's right. And I just thought that while, while, we, while we were talking about it, and the thing that I think is difficult is I think unless you're going to get Derby out of this tournament, I think you probably need to get Derby Allen out in the first round with some interference by the Lee and protect him as much as you can. Because he needs, Darby Allen needs to be beating someone like Cody or, but actually they did that angle with Cody and Darby, so they're going to do that match, aren't they, I think? Because otherwise yeah. if they don't do anything, this promotion doesn't, doesn't lead to something. But I, I, if it was me, I would have had Cody beat, uh, sorry, I'd have, if this was pre-lockdown, I would have had Darby Allen win this and I'd have had him beat either Cody, probably Cody in the final actually, because I think he needs to be made, whereas Cody doesn't need it. And I do, I do think that you can, you can have that belt on, um, on Derby, and it, and it means something. But the yeah. thing that I want to know is, I want to know what is a TNT Championship? What is, what does this mean? And what does, what is it going to represent in the future? Is this going to be a belt that's defended every week on television against different challenges? If so, great, I would love that. But tell me what it is. That's yeah. at the moment. You don't want it to be like, uh, uh, for me, that like one of the disappointments they've done was the, the ring that. Uh, yeah, MJF one. I mean, yep. to me, still now that still irritates me. What's the point of that? He won that, and it it holds no relevance. No, I thought I it might be yeah. you win that, and then you're the number one contender, or you win, or whoever's in possession, like you compete for that ring, and that will always make you the number one contender for whatever you are, or something. He's just he's just got a really expensive ring. Mm. That's, that's all he's got. he's got. 
unbelievable knockout power as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mad really. Um, so we'll, ju- we'll just wish it through this. I thought this was quite a long, long match really. Um, so ultimately, in the end, um, Spears hits the C4 and Cody out of the ring. Cody uh, goes to a table. Um, Cody makes it back in the ring at nine. Spears can't believe it, and instead of capitalising which Jericho is encouraging to do on commentary. He holds off before trying another C4. Cody gets out of it, hits the crossroads for the near fall, um, but Spears picks out. Cody then traps Spears in a figure four leg lock and gets the pin by pinfall to advance into the next round of TNT at Championship Tournament. So what did you guys think of this one? Um, I, I didn't mind the match, to be honest. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought Sean Spears had a good outing. Probably his best in AEW. I didn't like him kicking out of the crossroads, especially where Cody done it twice. Yeah. That made the move look weak, especially when he's put people away. Also, I wasn't too sure about him getting pinned on a figure of four. Um, someone said, I've never seen that before. I don't remember it. And I think Jericho said it. I don't remember seeing it ever. Someone getting pinned on a figure of four, um, which I thought was a strange finish. But overall, yeah, I thought it was okay. Decent match. So I've, I've, I've noted that down that Jericho has never seen anyone pinned by a figure four. There was actually a world title chain. <laughs> I was going to say, here we go. I'm sure, actually, um, I'm, I'm sure Ric Flair's won other matches like this, but actually Randy Savage lost the WF title to Ric Flair in September 92 with this finish. So with the, but with, he, he kind of passed out, basically. Was, uh, and also, interestingly, um, they... But a bit like the Cody Matt Hardy thing. That was on um Primetime Wrestling used to wear on a Monday night on USA Network before Monday Night Raw and Vincent Mine hated the finish so much that he actually made um I think Flair and Savage had to go back out to the ring when the fans had gone home and they taped it again. So they did the close up shots <laughs> of Randy Savage. That is on the network actually, funny enough. But that's um that was a weird old time at the end of the end of the summer between WrestleMania eight and WrestleMania nine. Well, they took the title off Randy Savage when Hogan wasn't there. They took the title off Randy Savage because he wasn't drawing on that well as champion. Got it to Flair because they didn't want to go Savage to Hart. So they went to Flair and then Bret Hart won it a few weeks later. All at house shows, which is very rare for um, the WF title to be changing hands that, that way. Um, so, Dan, first of all, what did you think of this uh, this show overall, this episode? Of, uh, oh, the episode overall. I mean, um, it's okay. I mean, I, what's happened is I think they... they the first one they done uh, with no audience was really good. Right? I thought it was absolute, like, spot on. Then the week after was where they had no wrestlers in the crowd was dreadful. And I think the two since have been, okay, they've been all right. They're, you know, yeah. this tournament, going back to this tournament, what this, at least what this tournament's doing is it's putting a match, matches in there now that have meaning. All right, so yeah, it's very difficult to develop feuds when there's no one there. So they're adding meaning, so you've got a reason to watch it um, while this is happening. Um, and, you know, next week, I mean, next week they've made like a mini pay-per-view, uh, which I think they do quite well. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I thought it was okay. You know, it's, a, yeah, it's what, what I call it's like it's a set-up show. It's just setting up for for, for, for onwards. Yeah, for future. Hey, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of, I didn't hate it. Um, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, they're doing the best they can, right, with what they've got, I think. And having no crowd does make a lot of difference, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was watchable. Um, yeah, it, was, it probably is. Yeah. Probably six, six out of ten. That's exactly the word I've written down. I thought it was watchable, which is probably fairly commendable in, in the circumstances. So we're now going to get in our time machine and we're going to go back 431 months 
Um, and after the brief break, which you won't hear on this podcast, it'll be a little whoosh sound, and then all of a sudden you'll be back in time in 1984. We're going to have a look at the 5th of May 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. So, on to the May... Fifth, 1964 episode of Miss South Wrestling. I'm already laughing thinking about all the, some of the stuff that we've got to cover during this episode. So at the desk is Jim Ross and an unfamiliar face. It's Joel Watts, Bill Watts' son, um, who I believe is making his on-screen debut. Um, Ross says it's great that Joel is with him, and he says he knows he's been in the business since he was so high. Joel, as wooden as he could possibly be, says that pro wrestling has its finger on the pulse of the youth of America more than any other sport right now. He's loved it since he was a kid, and he's been going to the matches, and he loves being around the excitement. Joel says he thinks that the Rock and Roll Express will represent the Mid-South area better than the previous champions, and that he has put together a special video package. Um, Ross almost cuts him off here, and he goes over the super date of the Super Dunk again. <laughs> and he reminds all the ladies to send in the very best photos they can do. Now, this is this is just... I mean, we're going to talk about this later, so I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. But I think it's probably fair to say that the Super Date at the Superdome is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in wrestling. And I suspect it might be the same for you uh, two as well. It, uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm listening... Okay, and then he says the super date, and I'm thinking, I, well, I've honestly went to write down a note to say, oh, they do pay-per-views as well. And as I've done the first P on PPV, I realise, send in your photos if you're, just to specify, unmarried. <laughs> yeah, unmarried, 18 years <laughs> are over. <laughs> 18 years are over, just to specify, unmarried, right? And I'm looking going, what is this? And then I just, all I'm thinking is, what's he got me watching? Uh, <laughs> and I... I mean, you said we're going to talk about it later. I, I, I feel that all my notes just say Super Date. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was the main angle on the whole show, as it was last <laughs> week as well. Um, so Ross says that all of the videos are put together by Joel, and he's put something on the Rock and Roll Express to the tune Jump by Van Halen. In addition, Joel was pulled over when he was hanging out the window of a van, um, and he was pulled over by a sheriff who thought he had a weapon. Um, so... <laughs> Ross says that the video coming up is the best they've ever had on Mid-South and they've legitimately had some incredible ones uh, they've got to potentially beat here so I'm just going to basically for these video packages I just write exactly what happens as I type it and try and keep up so I'm just going to quickly run through it and I'm going to throw this to you guys to get some thoughts after, after this finishes so the familiar opening bars of Van Halen's jump ring out as a white sports car is shown the Express is sitting on it then they're in a dressing room with a stereo, and then they're back with the car. They're then shown approaching a wrestling ring, then they drive off in the car. Back in the ring, they're taking out a few opponents, and I realise what a tune this is from Van Halen. They show Cornette being slammed into a cake. Now they're at a jukebox looking smug. They're driving the car again. Here we go, it's the sheriff's car. Big double drop kick. And then the quality of the video here is terrible on YouTube. And they sat, sat backstage listening to some tunes with Terry Taylor. Morse is tapping his knees to the music. Now we're sitting on a car, which is a Porsche, and um, then they're backstage again. Little thumbs up from Morton. More in-ring action. Beautiful dropkick montage. Back in the core. Car. Back in the core. Not in, not in Andrew core, any of the cores. Um, Morton has his sunglasses on, and off they go again. I got through that almost without a flood. So what did you guys think about that? Tony, over to you first. This Van Halen video package. I don't know what to say, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different. Um, 
I know this is a regular thing they sort of do on Mid South, but yeah, they do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it was yeah, it was fast. We just talking about AEW. It was a it was a bit of a, a shifting gear downwards, um, <laughs> literally with a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, it yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. I think I guess I'm guessing from this, they're one of they're obviously one of the top babyface teams in Mid South. I'm guessing. Yeah, um, they try to get them over as a big deal. So. I guess from that from that point of view, it was okay. You know, I guess this was a Porsche, wasn't it? I think the car, it was yeah, expensive car back in back when this was filmed. So, it shows they're making money for the company, earning money, etc., etc. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, I mid, mid, sorry, Tony, go ahead. No, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Um, it was just it was just strange. <laughs> it was just weird. It was just a weird watch. Yeah. I mean, mid south, they if they, when they're doing these videos, they, we've had one on Magnum TA, um, and he had a car in it. I think the Terry Taylor one recently had a car in it as well. They their idea in nineteen sixty four is if you're shown with a great car, you're the coolest man alive. And um, Dan, what did you, did you think of this one? Uh, it's probably the most eighties video I've seen. <laughs> uh, my particular highlight, which I wrote, was when they were both, I think, selecting a track from a jukebox and just spun around and just pointed to the camera yeah. um, like a gun. <laughs> and I just thought, what is that? What's that got to do with anything? Um, <laughs> it was just, uh, again, I'd just gone from watching the intro, hearing about Super Date, and then watching this this montage I, I'll be honest again uh, I'm a few minutes in now and I'm wondering what has he got me watching uh, so before before we go forward how much how much Mid-South have you guys watched before so Tony is this your first this is I've, your never, I've never very popped yep very yeah. very first yeah nothing I've, I've, I know a few of the names um, but yeah I've never seen an episode and Dan, you've seen a, a couple of bits, haven't you? Is this your yeah, first so, episode, yeah. yeah, so actually what I ended up doing was I watched I've watched a couple here and there, but I obviously started listening to the podcasts. Um, that's obviously we're friends, so I thought I'd have a listen. So actually, if I'm honest, I roughly know what's going on without really ever seeing it, because I know yes. yeah, yeah, what's yeah. going on through your podcasts. Um, and I think I watched the other week because I knew that the TV title was up for grabs. So I thought this will be my first one. I'm going to watch this one because I actually finally thought oh, I need to see this. I've been listening about it for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to actually watch and I guess look, when I've normally watched it, I've just watched it because I you know, knew I was going to come and talk about it. I was properly really watching it. So then yeah. you start realizing <laughs> the different things that are going on. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a pretty, it's a pretty special uh, motion. Uh, and actually, do you know what? I, it is, it is ACES and everything you're looking at with a, with a 2020 lens, um, but it is it, it, it is quite incredible, and I can see why this was popular back then. And so after the break, we're back to Jim Ross and um, Watts Jr. And Ross says that you can't take Cornette and the Midnight Express lightly. He goes on to say that the Midnight Express has broken the leg of one of the members of the Bruise Brothers, a tag team we saw a bit package on a number of weeks ago. And we then cut to an interview with one of them outside a hospital, and here is the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. He says, first of all, he wants to thank everyone for the hundreds of cards and letters trying to find out how Bruce Brother number one was. And Hart says that he has something to say. And the microphone is then taken and he proceeds to talk at 200 miles an hour, which is not easy for note taking. Um, the highlight is being that whenever, wherever the Bruce Brothers go, they spread sunshine. There's not much sunshine being spread at the moment. He's been laid up in the hospital for a number of weeks and it, all he could think about was the Midnight Express. He would never have intentionally hurt someone the way they did him. But there is a silver lining to every cloud, and when he's back, he'll be coming after them. Hart says not to send any flowers because they ain't dead, and he's coming after. <laughs> um, 
Uh, this Bruce Brothers thing is completely out of nowhere because these guys were on literally months ago. And Dan, what did you think of this this little out? It was a weird looking hospital. I don't think it was out. They weren't outside the hospital, were they? No way. Yeah, I think he did actually break his leg. No, I mean, I mean, possibly <laughs> didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was I'd, as you said. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast and I'd never heard of them. No, so I was yeah. a bit like, oh, hang on. I thought I was a bit on top of this, and I don't know who this man is. Um, yeah, I, 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 all I was—I guess all I was waiting for was maybe a string of women to turn up behind him and advertise Super Date. But after that, I didn't really know what to expect. <laughs> that would have been better if they said if you if you, um, if, you uh, if you enter Super Date, you won't get a broken leg. Um, yeah, that was—it uh, was quite quite terrible. Tony, any thoughts on this one? No, <laughs> not really. It was that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we can move on. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so the first match to show this week is the new tag team champions of Rock and Roll Express and they're up against Buddy Landau and Pat Rose um, who are in the ring already um, Rock and Roll is king hits what do you think of this theme tune to Rock and Roll Express yeah like it for his yeah, video suit them like girls it girls go nuts as, as always I mean that, that's to discover that stood out for me like yeah. the, the women screaming for these guys yeah. and when they pan to the crowd it you wouldn't. I didn't. I don't think I saw a man in the crowd. Uh, just no, for that very one popular bit, girls. Uh, yeah. And bear in mind this, and I don't know this for definite. This is probably the second time these guys have been out in this taping because they, they tape multiple episodes at the same time. So these girls, you've probably already seen these guys in this show and during the, this TV taping already. Mm. And they still went nuts because I very much doubt they were going back and editing bits <laughs> of crowd shots. They just wouldn't have bothered with any of that sort of stuff then. Um, so Ricky and Robert this week in light brown waistcoats and purple tights. And Ricky Morton is in first in crisp as ever, and he hits a great little drop kick before tagging Robert Gibson. And Joel is Joel says a commentary they have tag team wrestling down to a science. And Robert Gibson certainly knows about leverage, Joel adds, um, who's given me to I think was probably quite nervous coming on for the first time and is a little more, um, is a little better during this match. Um, Rose makes it to the outside in his Landell, um, with his role usually in a tag team with Butchery somewhat demoted here into one half of a semi-jobber tag team. Um, Landell tags out and Watts says he's taken the easy way out and he's seen that more than once so obviously Watts hates Landell Ross says that we have a lot of super matches and more about the super date at the Superdome coming up uh, which is excellent I'm certainly looking forward to that um, there's a big hip toss from Gibson before he takes it out to Morton who continues working over the arm in the crowd chance go Ricky go he misses a big shoulder block into the corner and smashes into the ring post Landell is tagged in and takes over Ricky eventually makes it back out with a hot tag to Gibson who fires up with hip tosses and a drop kick on Rose. There's a big backdrop on Landell, and Rose tags back in, and the Rock and Roll Express hit their big double drop kick, finish for the win in 5.26. So, Tony, any thoughts on this Rock and Roll Express match? Um, I thought they were pretty, they were pretty crisp as a, as a team. Pretty basic chain wrestling, but I thought they were pretty crisp. Most because I've not seen them much of this. The finish, and I think it might be a theme throughout this, Seemed very basic. Yes. In yeah. A double drop kick to win a match. Um, but again, probably back in 1984, whenever it was. It's quite an impressive move, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought that was okay. Very, very basic TV match. Um, pretty well all team, clearly. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Dan, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I think Chris, that's a great word to use for it. Um, my initial uh, thoughts were very off piste uh, given I've just started WrestleMania 14 
and the Rock and Roll Express are in that. Oh, of course they are. In the, in the, uh, the Tag Team Battle Royal, aren't they? Yeah, That's yeah. right, yeah. And yeah. I, I just checked on the internet, actually, because they look old in it, but actually they're only 40. But, yeah. Um, maybe, you know, maybe Mid-South gave it was a tough, tough life or whatever, but they were, not only were they in it, obviously in... Um, yeah, so obviously they, you got, uh, in the previous WrestleMania, I see the arrival of uh, James Cornett, uh, yes. which again is someone I'd never heard of until I started listening to your podcast. He's Yokozuna's translator. Uh, yes. he's an American spokesperson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an American <laughs> spokesperson. Um, and then obviously he does a bit. So you had them. And then the other interesting name that from that WrestleMania, again, as the there was the new Midnight Express. Yes. Uh, which is Bob Holly and Bart Gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just thought it was quite interesting how, I don't know, sort of maybe a bit of a nod to Mid-South, maybe, uh, in that WrestleMania, uh, by doing so that. What, I don't know, I don't know what yeah. the relationship was, um, there, but I just thought it was very interesting that in one match you had Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, okay, Midnight Express in its new concept, but I just thought it was quite, Quite not like, quite nice, really. Like a bit of a nod to yeah. It's great. It's great the timing you did that. So around that time they did this. Um, so the NWA had split from WCW in like maybe '91, um, but the NWA still remained and, and still to this day remains a, a wrestling wrestling sort of organisation. There's belts, um, but they had a brief um, relationship with the NWA where I can't remember which part it was now, but maybe one of their tag team titles and one of their Singles titles was on WF television. Probably, if I had to guess, maybe three months, um, and that's, right. that's when the Rock and Roll Express were, were involved. But they weren't really very heavily featured, um, and I think absolutely they had a tough life. Um, <laughs> Mid South, WCW, probably hanging out with Ric Flair later. <laughs> probably too, too many super dates to own good. Um, <laughs> so, but no, so I, I mean, I just linked it to good. that mainly. Um, yeah. And, and obviously uh, they've recently cropped up on AEW for a brief appearance, yeah, didn't they? Uh, on, was that yeah. Full Gear, I think it was? Yeah, and one of them hit a Canadian Destroyer. Yes, yeah, and it, you know, the dive. Think, um, Ricky Morton did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. And a really dive good. out on the crowd. as on Proud and Powerful, wasn't it? So, uh, That's it. Yeah. I mean, these guys are great. I, th- I think I've said a few times before, what I'd really like to see is, is around this time, because this is really their prime, some long match between them and the Midnight Express, but unfortunately the way this promotion works is it wasn't, there was no pay-per-view, they never, I, I don't know if they ever did a UWF, so basically, about two years after this, it, they changed name to Universal Wrestling Federation, um, because it was more national than available on cable, um, but after that, they eventually were bought out by Jim Fox Promotions, which was the company that was the, the lead company in the NWA, so they what became WCW, um, so they did, they weren't around for all that much longer, but they never really run pay-per-view, so all this TV was really, it was pushing people to the local arenas, so that was the, all the big stuff happened off camera. So it's just TV, go and buy a show, go and buy, go and buy a ticket. And um, then you probably heard this, but I spent money. So the last couple of weeks, the kind of like Vince McMahon babyface character of Vince McMahon was a wrestler previously, Bill Watts. Um, he came out of retirement and they pushed a match with him and what ended up being the junkyard, was the junkyard dog, but a junkyard dog under, under a mask versus the Midnight Express. However, they pushed it on TV as if it was just happening once. But in the inserts for the breaks, they would have local promos, and actually they had that they held that match at fifteen different arenas. So you thought watching it, this is just going to happen once, but it was fifteen times, and then you could pull that off in nineteen eighty four. But obviously, you couldn't do that sort of stuff now. Mm. But it's very, very different the way they promote it. And that Superdome show that they're talking about, that wouldn't have been available anywhere to watch. You had to buy tickets to, to see it. 
So this is really kind of the changing times of um, pay-per-view. Um, the WrestleMania in 85 wasn't on pay-per-view at all. It was only closed circuit. The, the 86 one was on pay-per-view, um, but it was, it was in very limited number of, of households. And it wasn't really until the late 80s, early 90s that pay-per-view was, was more of a thing in terms of availability. Um, so next up, we have Terry Taylor versus Randy Barber. And Barber is wearing a particularly ugly pair of yellow tights. Um, and Taylor has on his ridiculous neck brace um, just a week after speculating that his career was in jeopardy. Um, but sadly, it was, he was informed that he wouldn't get paid if he did wrestle. Um, so what says that Taylor is a guy that makes professional wrestling really fun to watch. Um, Ross agrees and says that the chemistry has been right ever since Taylor arrived. He cares greatly about the fans and always takes time to visit them. I thought it was a bit over the top from Ross here. Um, not much to this one. Taylor wins the flying forearm in 156. Um, Dan, any thoughts on this one first? I mean, this, the guy just opening up with a neck brace on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've always seen props and stuff, but uh, it's, I, I, think, I think I've heard before, sometimes you do like when you're watching wrestling to, like, we, we all know the, the different things sort of behind the scenes, but you, you like you want to watch it and think it's it's real, <laughs> and when you see that, you go, yeah, you're 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 pushing it a little bit now with the neck brace, um, and yeah. he wrestled really well. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it even hindered his performance. Whenever I've seen people perform in the casts or you know it, that that's an element that hinders their performance. He he, he didn't seem phased by the no, the neck he wasn't brace phased, he wasn't <laughs> at all. Uh, Tony, anyone, any thoughts on this one? Terry Taylor. <laughs> okay, it was very very short, wasn't it? Again. I guess they're trying to push Terry Taylor as a, a lady's favourite, if you like. Um, yes. Just, yeah, the crowd seemed to react to any, any little thing. Um, again, very basic, very basic finish. Yeah, <laughs> that was to add really. It's very, <laughs> That's fine. It's very short, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is the MO of this promotion, really. Short matches, get them in, get them out, get to break, basically. So next up, Jim Ross is going to be speaking to Junkyard Dog. Um, and after the break, Ross is at ringside with JYD. He says he's a man that cut his teeth in the Mid-South area and became a star coast-to-coast. And JYD says that he's been wrestling everywhere, Memphis and North Carolina, and he still, he still has to take care of business for any lad there. So I'm just going to stop here, because I think I've not stopped the recording. So this is bad, this is bad podcast for anyone listening right now. Um, I missed a bit here. So earlier in the episode, they mentioned that Stagger Lee, um, his junkyard dog's alter ego, had basically left... Mid South after the attack on him last week. So basically, Junkyard Dog, years before this, he lost a lose to leave town match in Mid South and he came back under a mask as a Stagger Lee character. So he's recently, he recently lost the match recently. If, I'm not, if I lose this, I'm not going to be around for 90 days. But then Bill Watts needed a tag team partner. He got Junkyard Dog back in under a mask. It's all a bit wink, wink, not wink, wink, nod, nod. But they do do a good job with it. Um, and then after last week when he was attacked, he was painted. Um, he's decided to leave. I've, I've had enough. I've made my money. I'm going. So that's why the junkyard dog is now back. Um, so uh, JYD says he's, he was more or less born there and raised by the people in Mid South. And um, Ross says that Mid South didn't ask him to leave, and he wants to clarify that. And Jim Cornette then appears, and, and JYD asks him not to breathe in his direction. He says this a few times. I thought it was quite funny. And um, Cornette says that Midnight Express got cheated out of the tag team titles, and he wants the Rock and Roll Express out there right now, and he wants another match. He then says that JYD said he would be out of Mid-South for 90 days, but all he did was put that mask on and stagger Lee and help Bill Watts in his last stampede. And that's the match that was 15 times the promoter was won. And Cornette said he was glad that Butchery painted him last week because all he is is a yellow dog-faced liar. 
JYD then grabs Cornette by the throat, who sells it like he's being killed. And the Midnight Express make the save, and JYD briefly is on top here until Bobby smashes him in the back with Cornette's tennis racket. And the Midnight Express then hold down Jim Cornette, and out comes Butch Reed with paint, and this time he pours yellow paint all over JYD and actually paint brushes him in the face with it. It must have been quite unpleasant. And um, Reed actually takes a, a stumble here in the paint as he runs off, um, and then a couple of jobbers come out to try and make the save. Um, Tony, what do you think of this one first up? This, this is quite an angle. You're getting some stuff on this show this week. Yeah, I mean... Again, not knowing the history of these guys, really. Jungle Dog looks... Looks like a looks like a wrestler, right? A big guy. Looks like you you know, crowd seem to like him. Quite like Cornet, to be honest. As a manager. Yeah. Thought you thought he sold it well. The the, the, the sort of the, the choke, I thought he was selling that really well. Thought he was very effective. It's obviously leading to a match I'm guessing at some point. Yeah, um, I guess, I, guess, I guess so. I don't I don't quite know where they're going next, but J Y D was a big star in Mid South and ultimately became a big star in the WWF shortly thereafter. So I think Dan you've probably seen him on yeah. maybe the first three WrestleManias, I think. He's in the first three, yeah. He's yeah. in the Yeah, he's in the first yeah. three. Thought it was quite um, effective. And then he, he he wasn't, I think he was gone um, from WF, maybe in, um, if I had to guess, maybe sort of 88 or so. And then what, what did you think of this um, this angle with JYD? Yeah, strange. I mean, the whole, I'm glad you sort of uh, fully explained the paint element. I mm. was like, sorry, what a strange thing to f- throw over him. Um, but um, I think I think for me, that yeah, it's, it's, it's very good on the mic. Yeah, um, JR is also very good on the mic. Uh, I, I, I notice uh, again because obviously he, he sort of maybe he sort of starts cutting his teeth a little bit in, in mid south when he goes to WWE later on. He starts off as a sort of a roving reporter, just doing interviews. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's actually only at WrestleMania 14, I think, or 13, 14. He actually is behind the desk. He, 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 he's doing JR, yeah. Yeah, oh, he started yeah. He's at the but he, he yeah. is predominantly a commentator, but they use him in different roles in WWE. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, um, but he interviewed him well, and uh, yeah, but the paint thing was just again, uh, it, uh, like you said, uh, maybe we've caught, maybe we've got caught ourselves a bit of a bizarre episode, but I was just like, yeah. this is crazy. What is going it's quite on? An extreme angle, isn't it? <laughs> paint yeah, it in is. your face and have a paintbrush yeah. in your face is quite quite extreme. So J- Junkyard Dog was in, I just looked it up while we were talking, Junkyard Dog was in the WF until October 88, um, and then he left um, to join WCW at that point. I don't think, though, that he was on a pay-per-view for a long time before that. Um, it probably appeared on, on TV somewhat, but yeah, he wasn't He wasn't in the um, WrestleMania 4 tournament, was he? I don't, I don't think. Mm. Oh, gosh. Uh, for... So what's your Wikipedia saying? I'm not sure. He was just <laughs> no, mainly... I, I know he was in the early ones. He he, he looks... Uh, oh, actually, you know what? He was in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania, of course. He wasn't in the tournament. Um, but I know I know that he had some pretty pretty severe um, drug problems around this time, so I think that, that probably played a part in sort of sketchy appearances towards the back end of his WF career. Um, so after the break, we head back to the desk, and Joel Watts is gone, and he's been replaced by Mr. Wrestling. Um, Ross asks him when his next title match is going to be, and he says he's not interested in that. He wants to know how the Rock and Roll Express got his and his partner's robes and, and their masks. So last week, um, the Rock and Roll Express won the tag team titles um, when the Midnight Express issued an open challenge to anyone apart from them and a couple of other tag teams. So what they did is they went into the ring with Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2's mask on and robes and basically tricked them and ended up winning the titles. 
Um, so Ross says he can't answer those questions. He has to take them up with matchmaker Grizzly Smith. And Boyd Pierce is in the ring and he's wearing a gorgeous lime green suit. And he introduces the future Hercules Hernandez. Dan, I'm sure you've seen him on um, some of the wrestling yeah. that you've been watching. Who is playing the character of Mr. Wrestling 2. Um, and he'll be up against the unfortunately named Jason Wacker. Um, <laughs> so Mr. Wrestling 2 mounts Wacker early on here. Um, and then he throws him against the ropes and hits a big power slam. Ross describes him as an awesome specimen and says that Jason Wacker is obviously outmatched here. Uh, Mr. Wrestling on commentary says that his protege respects him and he's very, and he's very loyal to him. Um, Mr. Wrestling 2 gets Wacker in the Lex Luger torture rack style submission for the win, 137. Um, any thoughts on this one, gentlemen? <laughs> so, Tone, do you want to kick off on that? <laughs> no, that not really. <laughs> Again... It seems to be a common theme here. The matches are, as you said, very short to sell tickets to local arenas. Quite a dominant victory, wasn't it, really? Um, yeah. Pretty dominant. Quite impressive, I guess, a finishing move at the time, I guess. Talk yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. Not too many people done it. It was, it was very yeah. stacked as well. Uh, Dan, what do, you, what do you think of this one? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah good finisher. Um, yeah, it's just a solid match. Very dominant. Um, it's quite, was it? Okay, I, I, I know you said you messed your timings up, but was it a bit longer than the others? One one thirty-seven. Oh no, then. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. think. Maybe I got confused with another one, but yeah, it was the just last very match is long. The last. Oh no, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm confusing yeah. it with. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's just yeah, very dominant. And, um, yeah, I said the finishers probably stood out because, as we said before, it's, they're generally quite basic. Yeah, you know, which obviously at the time is. It's not considered basic. That's us looking at a 21st century lens, right? So. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is probably, um, you're right, these are quite basic finishes. This is a bit different, obviously. It's more, um, more recent because Lex Luger was, was using this basic submission in the late 90s in WCW. But if you think about it, like stuff like the Hulk Hogan leg drop and Warriors splash, they're quite basic moves that became finishes because they got them over. I think a lot of this is probably just because we haven't seen like a double drop kick as a, as a finishing tag team move. But actually, if that had been, if you'd, if you'd followed, and I haven't, obviously, as well, but if you'd followed the Rock and Roll Express and, and seen that over years and years and years, you'd, you'd buy into that as a finisher, I guess. So that I, I guess it's just about getting these, getting these moves over. But yeah, it is, a, it is a bit different in terms of how they finish these matches. Um, so next up, we have a special look at the returning Dr. Steve Williams. And so Williams has been playing American football in the USFL um, before this return to Mid-South. Um, and, he, and he sort of split his time um, in the off-season wrestling. Um, Ross says that the great four-time wrestling All-American will be back, and they head over to Oklahoma on April the 8th with a 14,000 capacity crowd. Um, Williams in the opening match against Jerry Gray, and Bill Watson commentary here, and he's really putting over Williams. And there's one moment where Williams hits a huge elbow, and poor old Gray falls backwards through the ropes and is scared of the bump. And um, Watts says that Khrushchev, Reed, and Volkov do not want to face this man. He also adds that Williams stampeded Bundy, and he's the only person that's ever seen him do that to the big man. And um, Williams wins with his big running power stand, they call the Oklahoma Stampede. And after three count, Watts says that Gray is just happy to still be alive, which I thought was a bit much. Um, they do this every now and again, but not all that often in terms of showing these, these clips of power show matches. Um, which is, which is, I guess, two points. One, to make sure that, um, that actually, pe- you know, people see that important stuff happens, isn't they kind of join behind the curtain. Um, and two, it's just to fill time, really. So they, they take so much actual action at, at the place they always have the TV. Um, <laughs> I'm always fearful for the, for the response to this, but any thoughts on this segment, guys? <laughs> um, I, I, again, Steve Williams, I remember him briefly in WCW. Um, yeah. 
made a brief appearance sort of towards 99 in the 99 2000 yes yeah obviously a lot older a lot more broken down them down them but impressive physical specimen um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mind it I thought he showed him as a, a dominant wrestler great yeah, yeah I actually quite like that one this one um, good was there I don't know if you said is, was there a reason why the ringlets just look completely different in this one look like someone has switched the lights off I think okay Does that happen yeah. a lot because I started yeah, to think it's been recorded somewhere else no, so that, so this, yeah, this was a different arena. So this wasn't the place that they shut down the TV at. This was this was in, this was in Oklahoma. The TV's at in Shreveport, which is also in the state of Oklahoma. Um, but basically, it's just there's no TV lights. So if okay. you were there, yeah, if you were there, it would look normal. But they don't have such bright lights. So obviously, the, the production on the, some of this stuff isn't, isn't anywhere near as good. Actually, even some of the early WWF stuff is probably a bit like that. Actually, if you look at some of the stuff on the network from around the first WrestleMania, some of the house shows that are available, they're probably not all that well lit. Um, so after this segment, oh, here we go. We're in the room. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express and a number of ladies. Yeah. Says, I need not my microphone over. I was so excited about this. Ross <laughs> says that one of the most exciting events in all of wrestling is the Superdome wrestling extravaganzas. And due to the World Fair taking place in New Orleans, a special Superdome show will be held on June 16th. One thing that they're doing that's very special for all the young ladies who are unmarried and 18 years or more <laughs> is to win a date with the Rock and Roll Express. Ross adds that they know they've had a lot of entries and the guys are very excited. Ross wants to clarify that the Rock and Roll Express are not going to be responsible for picking the winner, but that Ricky has seen some of the pictures and they're looking pretty nice. Mawson adds he's glad he's not going to have to pick the winner because he's realised there are a lot of pretty ones out there. And behind him right now... And they're going to have a good time and party down, all right? Um, I'm, quite, I'm quoting this, by the way. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. Ross says he wants to stress that everyone is welcome to enter as long as they're single, unmarried, and 18 years or older. Send a quality picture, the very best picture you can, Ross says, and in 25 words or less, stress or less, send to Mid-South Wrestling. Ross says he knows Gibson and Morton are notorious for partying. Gibson says he know he's going to make sure the girls have a good time. I bet you, buddy, he's going to make sure they're <laughs> Ross says he can't think of anywhere better to party than on Bourbon Street, where a lot of us exciting things can happen. Morton says that when it comes to the ladies of the 80s, if you're talking about good times, they're going to have a good time. Ross says again, please be sure to send those quality photos in, and they'll be back after the break with some resting action. Uh, who wants to go first to talk about the Super Day at the Super Day? No, you can go first. <sighs> I, I can imagine the Rock and Roll Express got a lot of ladies uh, back in the day. I don't think they had any problems uh, and needed the competition to win some more, but... One um, of them was ma- I think one of them was definitely married. had been married for six years in this segment. And probably I'm not one sure he would have cared, to be honest. No, you know? no, no, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was just bizarre, wasn't it? It's like, <laughs> unbelievable, really. Um but the women in the ring weren't that nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're off their time. Yeah, yeah off their time. So, uh, it was just a strange segment, wasn't it? It was strange. There's nothing else to say about it, really. So, Sam, what did you kept, say? He did repeat himself a lot about being unmarried. Yeah. And makes it over 18, so I don't have a lot of... A lot of young people sending pictures uh, in, which may have been weird, but yeah. Yeah, no idea. I mean, for, for me, yeah, I agree. The, the, the stress, the amount of stress on unmarried. <laughs> just, I, just, I just thought, yeah, okay, I'll go there. And I just thought, I just, again, I just couldn't believe what was going on. And 
it made sense they used them too, given obviously what I mentioned earlier, you know, the girls were screaming for them, but I just didn't see that. As much as they'd been pushing the angle about Super Day, um, and just as a side on that, I have I spent uh, a good half an hour trying to locate Super Date uh, via Google. Oh, okay. um, it's nowhere to be seen. So I don't number one know whether WWE have got, has the power to sort of try and delete that from history. Uh, whether what <laughs> oh, went down at Su- the- whether whether what went down at Super Date is something that not is not to be commented on. But when I sort of put it into Google and sort of specified it needed to have Super Date, Superdome, uh, Mid-South, um, you had two hits, uh, which were just commenting like a bit like a review of the episode. There was no... It's like, the, it's like in theory, it never existed. So I, I'd love to know why that is, um, mm. <laughs> that no one's commented on it. Um, so apparently there, there is some footage much later on, or later on, so I think it's about 10 episodes, uh, maybe six, seven episodes time, where they have a brief footage of the winners of this, but I haven't, I haven't, sk- I, I haven't skipped it. One of the one of previous guests messaged me about it, um, but I haven't. And Phil mentioned about it a week or so ago, but I haven't, I haven't um, listened or watched it as of yet. Um, but it's just incredible. I, I actually tweeted Jim Ross because a couple of times I tweeted him things of like mid south clips, and he's quite he liked it. And but he just he just stayed well clear of this. And I tweeted um, Ricky Morton as well, and he didn't he didn't do anything either. So I think obviously it's just it's just it's of the time. It doesn't it doesn't um, age very well. And it's quite crazy that actually the, the bit around the sending of the photos is immensely creepy when you think that this would have been they would have got they would have got a thousand photos easily easily yeah. easily in this competition. If not, if not more, um, and actually, it's very bizarre that the whole main angle of a TV show is to get some girls to come and have a date with the Rock and Roll Express. As I said, I'm sure they didn't have any trouble finding them without competitions, but yeah, just. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's very amusing in a, in a way looking back on it. So at least there is that. So next up, we have Magnus T.A. versus Masao Ito, and Boyd Pierce introduces Ito as a rugged Oriental star. Um, this is an interesting one as both men have been largely protected so far so usually that means there's not going to be a finish there'll be some interference um, but just in case you missed it in the last segment Ross again thanks to all of the girls for their great entries um, Ross is, is so low on commentary here um, he says that Ito can put his opponents down in many many ways and he's a martial arts expert there's a lovely drop kick from Magnum followed by an arm drag takeover he holds a hammerlock on the mat as Ito attempts to make his way out with a hair pull Ito eventually makes his way to his feet and hits a big punch in the head bar. There's a snap there, but then a missed leg job, and Magnum takes back over again. He hits a singer-like splash and crashes hard into the top turnbuckle when Ito moves. Um, Ito gets a claw on Magnum, um, and that Ross says he brought with him from the Orient. Magnum makes his way back to his feet and fights out briefly, uh, but Ito catches him and straight back down again. So they repeat this spot a few times with um, Ito getting him in the claw, Magnum ultimately getting out of it. Um, there's the claw goes on again and Magnum appears in a lot of trouble there's a near fall as Ito holds Magnum's shoulders down Ross confirms that this match is, is one fall or TV time remaining and he's been notified they have just under three minutes remaining which adds to the drama of this and what's going to happen in this final three minutes um, Ito smashes Magnum with chops and holds Magnum down again in the claw um, it feels like this has been done sort of five or six times during this match um, Magnum makes it up again um, there's blood flowing um, from his face, a big shot to the gut followed by another, and he's chopped down. Um, so basically, again, same combination. Um, Ito slams Magnum and goes to the outside, misses a really bad-looking headbutt, which basically tumbles off the top ropes. Um, 
Terry Taylor comes out to the ring. He's poking his nose where he's not wanted again. Uh, Magnum makes it to his feet as they exchange punches. Ito throws him to the ropes, misses an elbow, and Magnum then hits the belly to belly out of nowhere. Very sort of RKO like here. This just came out of nothing. The win in 708. Um, so I thought the claw spots were a little bit repetitive here, but ultimately this is a great win for the guy they're pushing towards a challenge for their top title. And um, they made it dramatic with the blood and he overcame the odds to win. Um, and, I, and the only thing I didn't really like was Taylor coming down to the ringside. And um, so Dan, what did you think of this one? Um, Magnum TA and Masao Ito. Yeah, no, uh, obviously I've heard Magnum TA's name quite a lot in the podcast before, so it's quite key to watch him. Very good. I sort of, I'm quite, I've always been quite interested in the, uh, the whole, when it comes to the bleeding, like, what made yeah. you bleed there? Uh, and actually, I sort of look back and thought, I've done that pretty well, like, <laughs> I, like, and, and it added loads to it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you just, well, I don't, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know if I'd way or, or, or yeah. part. I don't know, I couldn't work it out, yeah. I mean, does, does split, like, does it happen a lot in this, in this, like, in it? You get blood from time to time, which is pretty mad if you think about it, because this, this is, depending on where it was, yeah. it was a lot of Saturday mornings with kids watching. Yeah. Blood. So, yeah, yeah. So, I was quite, yeah, it did add to it. He looked very good, and it just, yeah. Yeah, it was just, a, this was a longer one, but it was fine. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you get the longer ones. I've noticed a lot in the Mid-South that a lot of them are quite short. They cram a yeah. lot into an hour, right? They cram a lot into an hour. Uh, they seem to give this one the time it needed. Yeah, and Soito was a push guy. So this this is very this is quite a really, actually really significant thing to have two top not top guys. Magnum's top guy, Ito sort of upper mid card. Have two of them who are clean as a whistle finished on television. So it's quite unusual. Yeah. Tony, what do you think of this? Uh, seven yeah, minutes and eight seconds. I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Um, Ito, it got a little bit a little bit repetitive. Um, getting quite two new guys to, to me. So you know, Magnum looked like a star, right? He looked like a yep. Like a star, um, yeah. I thought it was okay. Again, the blood added added a bit of realism, a bit of element to it. Um, decent finish, I thought, for, for compared to some of the other ones. A bit of a belly to back, belly to belly suplex. I thought it was a come out of nowhere, like you said. But um, yeah, Terry Taylor again. Yeah, no he's going to be there. Yeah, what was he Agreed. doing? Get out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah um, kind of. Yeah, kind of took it away a little bit, but. I don't, I don't think either guy come out of it looking too bad. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it hurt him, yeah. hurt him losing. And yeah, Mag- again, Magnum, you could tell he, just from that one match, they wanted to be a star, right? And he had the look yeah. to be a star. Um, you, you can tell me whether he, he does, I guess, in the, in the future. So um, Magnum's story is a little bit of a sad one. So he, um, he not all that long after this, um, probably later this year, went to the NWA. Um, and ultimately, he had a really bad car crash. And if I had to guess without looking, I would say it was probably late 86, uh, maybe early 87. Um, and he never he never wrestled again after that. Um, so, yeah, he, he, October the 14th, 1986, um, driving his Porsche in the rain, lost control, wrapped his car around telephone pole. Um, uh, yeah, he basically ne- was never able to never able to wrestle again. Accident caused his C4 and C5 vertebrae to explode, and it was out of the time he'd ever walk again. Um, he ultimately did did walk, and he became a commentator um, for the NWA thereafter. Um, but yeah, really, really sad story. And, and, and he, he, this guy was younger than the Ultimate Warrior. Um, had the look. He was mm. great, bloody great in ring. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's definitely a 
um, kind of what if with him, what might yeah. have been, because that, that's literally only, you know, two and two, less than two and a half years after this, he, he's done, and he's young in this, he's like 24. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really sad. Um, so after the match, Ross says that Grizzly Smith is negotiating for a match with Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Crusher Khrushchev next week. Uh, Crusher Khrushchev um, is the future dam- demolition smash. So um, we've seen him on your on. Uh, right, main okay. Yeah, so he um, he is uh, he's quite a, well, actually probably nearly top heel at the moment in this promotion. Um, Kerry Von Eric will be here and the future Texas Tornado, um, which will be the first time I've seen him on Miss South Wrestling. Plus, Dr. Death Steve Williams, uh, and he rem- reminds everyone again about the Super Date at the Superdome position. <laughs> can't have enough Super Date at the Superdome. Business farewell. I thought it was another newsworthy show with the angle on JYD. A great Van Halen music episode, a music video on Rock and Roll Express. A nice win for Magnum. The, the, the Super Date stuff was what it was. And, and overall, another enjoyable 45 minutes. So, Tony, what did you think of your first bit of Mid-South? Yeah, um, overall, I think, you know, I'd, I'd probably go and watch a few more episodes. Um, but I, I quite enjoy, it's weird in a, in, a, in a good sort of way. Different. It's definitely weird, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought, I thought it was all right. Very, very easy, to, easy to watch. The time just... He's not dragging. It's quite an easy. No, watch, it's not. It's, it's very car crash in that sense. It's bam, 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 get on to yeah. the next thing. And I think yeah. that's the thing. I, 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 when I first watched the first couple of episodes, I found it quite a struggle. Bill Watts wasn't on commentary in this one, but he was in the early ones, and he's quite difficult to get used to, but then you quite like him after that. He's more like a narrator than a commentator. I said that a few times on the, on the podcast, but that is quite grating if you're used to traditional. Mm. He's, he's about as far away from Jim Ross. He's like telling you a story while you're watching the match. He's not on these episodes or a commentary recently, um, but I, I find that I'm, intri- I'm interested in the key angles and what happens. And I think if they're doing that, especially when you think it's you know 36 years ago, they must be. I think they must have been doing something right. And you can see why this this at the time with this set of characters was doing pretty good. Arena, well, really good arena business actually. Um, and this is a really interesting time. So this is this is just a little bit less than a year before the first WrestleMania and the time the WWF. Hulk Hogan's a champion. He's been champion since January. They're really doing a big national expansion. Uh, the NWA is on fire as well. With Rick, I'm pretty sure Rick Flair was champion here, or he was chasing the title, one of the two. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting time. And, Dan, what did you think of this, uh, this episode yeah. in Mid-South? Yeah, so for me, it's good to put faces to names. Uh, some yeah. of the characters, uh, strangely, it's like one of them things where some of them you're like, oh, I did not think you were going to look like that. Um, <laughs> you know, there's uh, all different shapes and sizes. Um, I mean... We talked about it, but the the super date stands are an absolute mile. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just funny when you compare it to sort of how that would go down in today's day and age. Um, but as I say, they cram a lot in in an hour. Um, it's, it's easy to watch. And I'll tell you the good thing about that is if, if you do get to a match that you think, I'm not really keen on this, more often than not, you know that you're only going to have to really endure it for sort of five minutes Um, whereas you know I think you've sort of mentioned WWE they're doing some shows that come up to like five hours if you get to a match you don't like you you could be sitting there for 40 minutes watching it Um, so and actually the quick matches aren't really didn't to me take anything away from the show I still got understood the story understood what the match was meant to do saw enough moves to know that actually in a later episode a longer match will be will be good as well so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, true. this is the, the format's a little bit different because the, the, the early nitros were filmed live and were in different arenas. But actually, the format of this show isn't all that different from the early nitros in that you got big stars, you got them pretty much every week, you didn't get too many clean finishes. The only difference is there were less uh, kind of enhanced jobber matches on the early nitros, but it was it was pretty similar. And something I just I'm going to find interesting that you guys will not find at all interesting is that Kerry Von Erich. Was, was actually NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the time this was taped. So it would be interesting when he's interested for me and not you, potentially. <laughs> next, next week, if he turns up with the NWA World Titles, he won that at the, the Texas Stadium show um, at the um, basically the Parade of Champions for his, for his brother that passed away earlier that year. So that will be an interesting one. I'm not sure whether the taping date's lined up, but if he appears on, um, on that show with the title, that's quite interesting. Interesting. Guys, where can our listeners find your musings on Twitter should they want to? I'm sure they'll all be. You'll, you'll follow us. <laughs> so where can they find you? I mean, if you want to listen to my thoughts on Fulham and my WrestleMania challenge, uh, <laughs> at Dan PFFC. Yeah, and again, I, I ramble on about Charlton normally and uh, a bit about uh, Cleveland Browns. Quite boring. At CAFC Brown. That is great. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on this Monday, Thursday uh, in the UK. Happy Easter to both of you. Happy Easter to all of our listeners. Uh, and I'm sure hopefully we can do this again before too long. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.